Hello, everyone. My name is Mark LeBlanc, and I'm the chairman of uh, our publishing company, Indie Books International, where we work with consultants and a variety of independent professionals who want to establish their credibility, uh, write uh, the right book, and position themselves as a leading uh, expert uh, in their field. Thank you so much for joining us with our weekly podcast, uh, Marketing with a Book. We've got a great guest today uh, in David Goldman, someone that I personally have known for approximately 25 years. So I'm excited to get that interview uh, on the way. But first and foremost, uh, want to do our, our, our quick author uh, roll call. Um, for those of you that are with us, please share your name, where you're from, and the book that you have recently published or the one that you are working on next. I'm going to start with Joe Palo and then uh, Chris Hodges. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Palo. I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm the author of How to Sell Nothing. Thank you, Joe. Chris, and then Mason, and then Eleni. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Hodges. I'm in Denver, Colorado. I'm the author of Noble Automation Now, Innovate, Motivate, and Transform with Intelligent Automation. And the reason it's on this iPad is the book will be forthcoming and out next month. Oh, that's great, Chris. Thank you. Mason and then Eleni. Hi, everybody. I am Mason Harris. My book is The Chutzpah Advantage. Uh, it has been published. Uh, thank you to my uh, colleagues at Indy for getting this out there. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, thank you, Mason. And uh, with that, I will introduce uh, our guest expert here um, for today. His name is David Goldman, and I shared with you earlier, I've known him for nearly 25 years, and I will say that David is one of the best men uh, in my life. For more than 30 years, he has worked with business owners, professionals, and salespeople who want to bring in more business and produce outrageous results. He coaches individuals and speaks to groups about various issues that get them to think, take action, and perform at a higher uh, level. In fact, uh, David published a book called The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. He has logged more than 20,000 hours coaching one-to-one. -one. As a result of working with him, clients report that they have more clarity, more certainty, and more confidence, which results in more business, better relationships, more money, and more fulfillment. On a personal note, David is a singer in the oldies rock and roll band, The Magic Moments. Today, David will talk, with us, talk uh, to us about the Goldman enrollment process. On a side note, if you ever create anything great, name it after yourself. So David, would you please take it away and share with us a little bit about the Goldman enrollment process? Thanks, Mark. It was June 1989, Chicago, Illinois, in a hotel ballroom theater seating 
I was one of 120 participants in a leadership development program where um, we were learning how to be leaders in front of a room. And this was the enrollment weekend. We were going to learn how to enroll someone into the possibility that their life could be for them. Sounds very exciting. Uh, I had come into the sales arena in the 1970s in what is known as the J. Douglas Edwards era, which I define as you have my money in your pocket and my job is to get it. The, uh, the process was in an hour long presentation, you would come in, there was no questioning, there was no interviewing the prospect, you were putting on a show. So the first 20 minutes, you would scare the heck out of the prospect and let them know why they needed your uh, product. The, the Sandler system talks about pain. This was out, out and out fear. And so uh, you'd scare the prospect for about 20 minutes, then you'd spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes describing why your product was the absolute solution for them. And then you'd have to leave at least a half an hour for what was affectionately called the close. And so uh, it was combative. It was, uh, cert it was very argumentative. I hated it. Uh, I got pretty good at it, mind you, but I never liked it. And so uh, this weekend we were learning how to enroll someone. Uh, and the leader of the group, uh, Kevin Cullen, uh, was talking about uh, a, a part of it where there's objections, uh, how to deal with objections. And in that J. Douglas Edwards uh, model, you had to deal with objections and a, a sales pro would have six answers to every objection you would hear. And the, and the good news is there were only about five or six objections that you could hear. Uh, people either weren't interested or they had to think about it, or they had to talk to somebody about it, or they couldn't afford it, which, which by the way, is a real objection sometimes, or um, they just uh, thought they were already plenty okay and they were covered for it. So uh, what Kevin did was he asked for a volunteer to come up to the platform and demonstrate role play, uh, what their least favorite objection was and how to and, and he was going to show you how to handle it and all of that former training came flooding back into my head and i thought to myself oh here we go but i had made an agreement and the agreement in the course was that i keep an open mind and see what was possible true possibility thinking so a woman from colorado volunteered and her least favorite objection was i'm not interested you know, there are, there are moments in your life when your life changes in an instant and you know in that instant that your life has changed. I like to call them magic moments. Kevin brought this woman up to the platform and she said, uh, my, my least favorite objection is I'm not interested. He said, I'm going to be you and you're gonna be the toughest prospect you've ever had and tell me you're not interested. She said, okay. So Kevin invited her to enroll into the program and she in a 
big tough voice said, I'm not interested. And Kevin looked at her right in the eye and sincerely said, oh, well, tell me, what are you interested in? And in that moment, my life changed. I transformed, in that moment, I transformed my sales, I transformed my results, I transformed my life. Imagine you could actually have a conversation with somebody and find out what they're interested in. How simple, how incredible. You didn't have to be combative at all. Uh, later on, what I, what I found out was you could actually have that conversation up front, not wait for the close. You could, you could engage with the prospect, engage with a client up front to find out what they wanted. And that in fact was the birth of the enrollment process. So the enrollment process is five distinct areas. And the first one is, is the background of relationship. And it's the most important area because without relationship, nothing's gonna happen. If you're not in rapport, if you don't have a relationship with the prospect, there's not gonna be anything uh, to go forward. So it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to be best buddies. Uh, you don't have to go into the room, Sales 101, look around the room, see what art is there, see what, what hobbies might be there. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is ask a simple question. And the question is, uh, what was it that was so intriguing that had you give me this meeting? And that will formulate a rapport and wait for the answer, of course, and listen to it. So in my dealings, and, and probably for a lot of you, you deal with people on the DISC uh, assessment tool that are high D, that are owners, that are decision makers, that are like to be in control. And a high D type personality will sometimes say when I walk in, okay, what have you got? Uh, some of you uh, who have been in sales for a long time know an amateur salesperson will start to tell them everything they've got. So uh, I'm not suggesting that you do this, but I'm going to tell you what I do. When someone says to me, what do you got? My stock answer is, I've got a couple of questions. And my first question is always, what was it that had us meet here today? What was it that was so intriguing? Or if I was referred in, what was it that the referral source said to you that had you say, yeah, let's, let's have this meeting? And that's it. That's the, that's the background of relationship. It's all that's necessary for the relationship. The second part of the enrollment process is a conversation for possibility. This really is the most important part of the process. Now, I know I just contradicted myself. I said that the first part was the most important part, and it is because without it, nothing happens. But once you get past the background of relationship, it is the conversation for possibility that becomes the most important part because it truly is the possibility that your product, your service, whatever it is you have to offer, it's the possibility of what that could mean for the prospect or the client. And so uh, that's the second question I ask. So in my case, it's a coaching program. If, I, if that's what I'm offering, uh, my question is, let's say that you're going to engage in a coaching program what is it that you would want to get out of that program? The key to the 
to the conversation for possibility is all of the information has to come out of the prospect's mouth. It all has to come out of the client's mouth. If you sit there and tell them what the possibility of your program is for them, it's just blah, 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 blah. It's got to be them telling you what they want out of a program. And then you can assess whether or not you're the right person for them and whether it's a good fit because you either do that or you don't. In my personal experience, if someone's looking for better computer skills, if someone's looking for uh, how to use technology in a much more effective way, they got the wrong guy if, they go, if they're, they're with me. So I can refer them to somebody else. So it's got to fit. But the whole conversation for possibility has to come out of the prospect's mouth. And, and when you get one answer to what they want, don't dive in with your solution yet. That's where most attorneys fall short. They hear something that, that the prospect wants, they dive in and they start to solve it for them. I'm gonna say, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm gonna say, bite your tongue and try not to do that. What you really wanna do is you wanna uh, ask for greater understanding of what they just said. And then after that, just keep saying what else, because you wanna know all of the things that they wanna get out of that program or all of the things that they're looking for when they come to see you and they come to engage with you. So the conversation for possibility could take 20 minutes to a half an hour if they have a long list of things they wanna get. And you keep saying what else until the prospect says, that's about it. At that point, restrain yourself from solving the problems and ask one more question that's going to be mainly coming out of the prospect's mouth. And that is the third part of the, of the enrollment process, which is the conversation for value. And the conversation for value is, given everything you've told me, if I can help you achieve all of those items on that list, what would the value of that be for you? And you wanna get a number. You really wanna see if they can quantify it. That will be enormously valuable when it comes time to talk about your fees. Be prepared that when you ask them what the value of getting all of those things would be, they're gonna say, I don't know. And, it's a perfectly natural response. It's not one you want to accept, however. So instead of accepting, I don't know, just, just one more little delve by saying, well, let's take a look at that and see, you know, uh, what do you think the value would be? If you're in a sales situation, if, you're, if I'm dealing with a salesperson who might be making, you know, 80 or $100,000 a year and they want to get to a $200,000 level, for instance, then it's fairly easy because if they want to get from 100,000 to 200,000, then the obvious value would be 100,000, which is the difference between 200 and 100,000. So that's fairly easy. But if, they, if all they've said is, I want to be more organized, I want to be uh, more focused on my goals, I want to be all, all things that are declarative, it might be a little more difficult to assign value. But don't bypass that part of the conversation. It's huge and it's very important. Once you get an assigned value, you can go on to the fourth part of the enrollment process, which is the conversation for opportunity. And that is finally where you get to describe your program, your product, 
your offering, your service, whatever it is that you have that you're um, wanting to sell them. So, or you want them to buy. So um, the conversation for opportunity, uh, and this is nuanced, you want it to be, since you have a list of everything they want, now you have an opportunity to, uh, to articulate your, your opportunity in the same words that they have used when they said what they wanted. And in that way, you're bonding with them in a way that is subtle and yet um, uh, undeniable. Uh, I recommend it. And uh, try to make it between 12 and 15 minutes because this is one case where less really is more. You don't want to tell them everything you can do. You want to tell them what you can do in relation to what they want. Sounds simple, not so easy when you're right in the moment. So uh, that's the conversation for opportunity where you tell them what your program is and you're going to describe what the program does and all the logistics and what the fee is. And then the final part of the conversation of the uh, enrollment process is the conversation for action. Because even if all four areas of the enrollment process go completely smoothly and everything goes exactly the way you want, very rarely will someone jump up and down and say, oh, that's exactly what I want. When can we start? It does happen. It's probably happened maybe a dozen times, maybe two dozen times in the 30 years that I've been doing this, but uh, not very often. Uh, most of the time, you still have to ask them for uh, some kind of completion. And it can be just as simple as you ask them, does that make sense? Or you ask them, are you ready to start? Uh, I like to use the uh, thermometer close. It's, it's the one thing I use from the Sandler sales system. Uh, I, I fell in love with it the moment I, I heard it. In a, here's how I use it. I will ask after I've done all four of the background of relationship, I've done the conversation for possibility. I've done the conversation for value, the conversation for opportunity. I will then ask them if there are any questions. And then I'll say on a scale of one to 10, one means you never want to hear from me again. You never want to see me again. 10 means you're ready to start tomorrow. And I remind them 10 is not a perfect score. It just means you're ready to start. Where are you? And they'll usually give a number somewhere between seven, eight, maybe a nine. Very rarely will they give a 10 because in their mind, they think it's a perfect score. So I'll remind them that 10 is not a perfect score. I'll ask again on a scale of one to 10. By the way, if I think it's gonna be less than seven, I don't bother asking. Because if we don't have enough rapport that I think they're at least a seven, very rarely will I even ask the question. So. Uh, they'll usually say somewhere around seven, eight, or nine. And then the next question is, what will it take to get to 10? And they don't smoke screen. They, they tell you what the real thing is, and then you answer appropriately. And that's it. Simple, effective, and it works. And so um, uh, the, the enrollment process can work for you, and it, it takes all the pressure off I got to sell something and puts everything on uh, the focus is on are we a good fit or are we not?
All right, thank you, David. Give it up for David Goldman. Thank you, David. We're gonna to switch to a commercial break. Uh, we have a couple of other author, authors I wanna uh, bring in here to um, introduce themselves and share their current book or book project. Patty, can we hear from you? Certainly, my name is Patty Watkins and my book is Land and Expand, Six Simple Strategies to Grow Your Company's Top and Bottom Line. Nice to see you, Patty. Good to see you. And Delaney. Hi there. I'm Eleni Kalakos, otherwise known as the Speaker Whisperer. And I am extremely happy to say that my book, Claim the Stage, A Woman's Guide to Speaking Up, Standing Out, and Taking Leadership, is hitting the streets next week, October 4th. Woohoo! Nice. Congratulations. I, I know how hard you've worked on that as, as we all have worked so hard uh, on our book. So uh, cheers to you, Eleni. Um, David, I wanna ask you a couple of questions if that's okay. Sure, you got a couple of questions? <laughs> I, got, I got questions. Got um, Good. You know, you've been coaching since the earth's crust was formed. <laughs> and, and I get the, I get the sense. Of course, I I know you well, but I get the I get the sense that you are just as excited about coaching today as you were five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, and thirty years ago when you got into this field. What is it about coaching someone one on one that just jazzes you? You know, I, I so appreciate that question, Mark. Thank you. It's it's a great question. It, it, it's it's interesting how how this whole thing started. It started in that same course that I was in. It was a six month course, and coaching was part of it. There were twelve of us in Pittsburgh. We would coach each other. Uh, I'll get to. I'll, I, I promise I will answer your question. But we were coaching each other every week to hit certain targets. And at the end of every week, whoever I was paired with would tell me, you're really good at this. And I started to say, thanks. If I could figure out a way to make a living at it, I would do it. And finally, um, someone, uh, so I said that to, to a guy who was cutting my hair and he said, start with my salon. And that's how this whole thing started. So I started coaching hair salons. And, and what really happened was I realized that um, I had been in the financial services industry for 12 and a half years prior to this. I never liked it. I wasn't bad. I didn't do badly enough soon enough to get out early, but I didn't like it. And, and when, I, when I was coaching someone, and really coaching is, is more listening than anything else. But when I was coaching someone, I realized my entire life, this is, what, this is who I've been. If I could have realized it sooner, I might have majored in different things when I was in school, when I was in college and graduate school. But fascinating, it's really, it's really who I am. Um, you know, at this point in my life, some people ask a different question than you just asked. They ask, you know, when are you going to retire? And my answer is always, 
um, I could retire, but what would I do differently than what I do all day long anyway? I'd still be talking to people. I'd still be listening to people. And, and if they ask me, uh, it, there's, a, there's a, something in the process when you're listening to someone that I, I don't even have to be smart. People are smart, so they know. But in the process of them telling you, they get insight. And so that's really part of what coaching is, is just me being there for them, me being a mirror that allows them to see deeply into themselves. So um, that's just something that gets me jazzed. So if you ask, why does that get me jazzed? I don't know. Why, why, does, why is the sky blue? But, but it is something that get, gets me jazzed. And I'm, I'm thrilled that I found out relatively soon in my life that it's something that does get me jazzed and I'm good at it. And I, and I figured out a way to make a living at it. But really what happened was I met you. That's a whole other question, right? Well, thank you. Um, I'm gonna ask you a hard question this time. Okay. And um, because I think you and I uh, sometimes um, are at risk of being uh, criticized uh, because you and I both do get jazzed by one-on-one -on -one conversations, one-on-one -on -one relationships. Um, we have both built um, a bit of a small empire uh, based on one-on-one -on -one conversations. So the question I have to you, when somebody says to you, well, David, um, I don't see you scaling your business or I don't, I don't see you have a business that could be sold one day. Um, how do you take that in and how do you typically respond? You know, it used to be a lot tougher. That question used to be a lot tougher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert first to something you told me a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't think you told it just to me. I think you just said it, but, but I took it to heart. And the question you asked was, uh, what diversion disguised as opportunity is taking you off track today? I'll repeat that for those who've never heard it before. This is a Mark LeBlanc comment. What diversion disguised as opportunity is taking you off track today? And I'll, I'll tell you, that is one of them. So when someone would talk about scaling your business or they'd talk about you could, you could be coaching more than one person at a time and they could be, you could be making a lot more money and you could be you know, doing so much better, quote unquote, better. And, um, you know, I had to look and see what kind of life do I want to live? You know, one of the things I do with clients, I know it's one of the things you do with clients as well, but I have them design what an ideal week would look like. What's your ideal life look like? And then can you live into that? And when I look at my ideal week and my ideal life, if I have two or three coaching appointments a day, one marketing meeting a day uh, and I have time to write and I have time to, you know, take a nap if I want to. And I have time to do these kind of uh, sessions. Um, and then I still have a social life and I get to sing occasionally in front of a group of screaming people. Then, you know, I, uh, what could be better than that? So I say, and I, and I'm, I came to terms a few years ago with the fact that my business will probably pass when I do. Um, none of, neither of my children are interested in taking over my business, nor could they. I mean, it's not something that is saleable because if they came into the business, it would be, be
because of fits, it's they're only going to be dealing with people that they could be dealing with. It's it's presumptuous to assume that they could be dealing with the same people I'm dealing with because we're different people. So um, so I don't uh, I don't bow to that dragon anymore. So when someone talks to me about scaling, I smile. I think of you, and I say uh, thank you for thank you for uh, the opportunity. I'm good. Um, thank you, David, and and I find it fascinating, uh, not, and not that there's anything wrong with someone who has a scalable business model or wants to create a scalable business model. I, um, I'm uh, supporting and working with three clients right now who are in the midst of a transition. I think uh, so. Great. So for those that have a saleable business, you know, fantastic. I love one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, conversations, whether with prospects or with coaching clients, and um, I'm never going to let that go. And I think, like you, most most people who come to me um, have either heard me speak, they've sat in on one of my achiever circles, they have been highly referred to me. It might be a limiting belief, but I'm going to stick to it. Um, they don't want to hear that, uh, gosh, I could throw you into a group. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with group coaching. Uh, but boy, the richness of the relationships that you have developed over the course of time and the advocacy and uh, same here on my side, um, you should be very proud of the impact and the influence that you have had over the course of time. Yeah, thank you. You know, also, you know, I, I when I answered that question, I answered totally from my point of view. The the uh, the real thing is, I think that um, I've spoken to groups of people, and I've and I've certainly um, spoken to smaller groups of people. I think the impact that gets made, the results that that get produced from one on one, are far superior from from a speaking engagement or. Not that, not that someone can't get something out of a, a speaking engagement, but I think when you get in one-on-one, -on -one, you really get down to the nitty gritty and, and some of the results that have been produced are just, you know, I, I think they're phenomenal and miraculous. I, you know, if outrageous is the, is the word I use and it's the word I, I wrote in my uh, introduction that you read perfectly, by the way, thank you. But uh, the, um, the fact is, if someone asks me how how does it happen, how does how does that work? I have no idea. I just know it does work. Neat. I caught something that you said. Um, do you not have a CD called Magic Moments? Yeah, we have we have uh, two CDs. One I'm proud of, and the other one not so much. But um, <laughs> um, we do. We have C we have CDs out, Magic Moments. You can't you can't get them on Amazon though. We're we're not famous. We have no hits. We do um, other people, we do other people's songs. I, I want to take you back to that magic moment when uh, he asked that question. What what are you interested in? Yes. Um, is is that a standard question? that, I mean, is that a question that has become a standard in your conversations? Well, if, if someone says they're not interested, then I will say, well, what are you interested in? Mm -hmm. not, so you, not, you, not in a nasty way, but 
but but my my standard question for the conversation for possibility is what do you want what do you want to get out of this program so when i do a a an initial interview with somebody uh they're getting even if they never hire me they're getting something because most people don't really know what they want Mm-hmm. And most people don't know how to articulate what it is that they really want. And why do you think that is? Again, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think, so, so part of it is that the culture we live in, there's so many things coming at us all the time. And, and with, it, it just seems it's faster and faster that, it, that it, it's hard to pinpoint um, for some people what they really want. But, but they're very clear, and this gets into a little bit of the law of attraction, but they're very clear about what they don't want. You know, if you ask them what they don't want, they can, they can articulate that very well. And sometimes if, if they can focus on what they don't want and then flip it, you know, the, the purpose of, of knowing what you don't want is if you flip that, then often the other side of that is a key to finding out what you do want. Um, I don't know, but the real answer for you is I really don't know why most people don't know what they want. But it, you know, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong pursuit. Mm-hmm. David, we've got a question from our studio audience from Mason here. Um, he wants to know from you, uh, what is the most critical thing or step uh, a sales uh, representative must do to advance? Uh, the sales conversation toward a close. Yeah, I saw that in the chat, and I uh, appreciate the question. Thanks, Mason. I, I'm I'm going to ask for a little bit greater understanding. So I don't, I, you know, how how do you mean? Um, what's, you know, if I my my off the top of my head answer is listening, but I, but I want to know um, exactly how you mean that so that I can answer it uh, more. Sure. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you asking for the clarification. We're all in sales, whether or not we consider ourselves to be salespeople. So um, with the thought that there's so many things we have to do uh, if we're selling and we're planning a call, um, listening, asking questions, identifying the buyers, uh, identifying the people who influence the buy, um, creating um, marketing material or planning that there's it's. I once asked a group of people, list everything we can about what goes on in the sales process and try and tell me what the most important one is. Um, and there were over 30 items on that list. Wow. So as sales, and, and the answer, by the way, differed uh, when, I, when I said, what's the most important one? People had different responses. Listening is always right up there at the top. Um, for example, asking questions is always up there. The one that I have is a bit um, kind of, well, actually, I don't want to say what I have. I'm just curious because you're, you've been doing this professionally for years, and I consider myself probably a good salesperson, but I don't have that level of uh, professionalism. I've taken numerous sales courses, by the way. So I'm familiar with Sandler. I'm familiar with the Challenger sale. I'm familiar with um, uh, Spin. Uh, so I go back also a number of years and because I like what you're doing and I like the model you presented, I'm curious as to where, how you might answer that. Yeah. Well, I think of the list you started to give, I think, um, one of the things that I assumed is that you're in front of the real decision maker. 
because if you're not in front of the real decision maker, it doesn't matter how skilled you are, uh, you're not going to get very far. So you, you need to be in front of the person who can actually make the decision. And when I'm working with uh, an attorney uh, who might be able to make that decision uh, for him or herself, that's one thing. But if it's really the managing partner of the firm that's going to make the ultimate decision on, on whether or not uh, or how I get paid, when I get paid, if I get paid, I want to be talking to the managing partner. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Miller Hyman, but, but uh, Miller Hyman came out with an amazing book. I think it was called Strategic Selling, where it talked about when you're selling to an organization with more than one buyer. So you've got an end user, you've got the person who writes the check, you've got the person who uh, brought you in, the influencer. So, uh, but, but knowing who's who and making sure you're talking to the right person, that's right up front. And then uh, after that, to determine what people want and to really listen. I know, Mark, I'm going on a little bit long on this one, but, but sometimes people, not sometimes, people listen for uh, the break in the action so that they can get their point in. They're not really listening for understanding. It, that's the most, I think that's the most crucial thing. When you listen for understanding and you really get what the person wants and they're clear that you're clear on what they want, then, uh, then, you, then you're going to get somewhere between seven and 10 when you ask that, that uh, thermometer question. Thank you. Thank you, David. I've got another question from Chris who asks, uh, at what point or what stage do you most often hear, I'm not interested? Is it, is it the conversation for, is it before step four or before the conversation? Usually, be, usually before you even get to the, to the meeting. So I'm not interested as a, as a very, uh, very um, common phone uh, objection in, you know, the things that we were taught during the seventies where of course you're not interested. You haven't seen it yet. How can you be interested? How could I expect you to be interested before you've even seen? But, but, you know, that's a, it's just so refreshing to, to say, well, what are you interested in? It's like when you, when I learned from Mark, by the way, you could learn a lot from Mark, anybody who's on the call doesn't know that already, or in the universe who's listening to this as a podcast, Mark LeBlanc, the real deal. So Mark uh, has a uh, buying attitudes format. And when someone says they want to think it over, he has the most respectful thing I've ever heard for that objection. And that is, uh, the simple question, what additional information can I give you to help you in your thinking process? It's just, and when he first said that, the first time I heard him say that, it just went clunk for me. Meant, and all those other things that I had ever learned just flew out right out the window because there's nothing better than that question. Respectful, hits the nail on the head. Because when I think about all of the times I was in front of someone trying to argue and battle, I you know, I want to think it over and, and then give them that stupid whatever answer I would have to give them. How many times did I make the sale once they, they said they wanted to think it over? A very, very small percentage of time and they, they ended up not being very good clients. So uh, it's just so respectful. So you want to find that question or that, that, um, that thing to say that's so respectful, it just opens everything up. But the answer to your question, thanks for 
this is the album version of that answer. <laughs> the answer is usually that comes up front. Yeah. Thank you, David. David, could you just uh, list in order what the four the the conversations are? Sure. There's some confusion as to the order of them. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Thank you. So, uh, by the way, this is an appendix A of the uh, of the famous book, uh, The Road to Happiness: How to Get What You Really Want. But it's uh, the converse. The, the first the first step is the background of relationship. The second step is the conversation for possibility. The third step is conversation for value. Fourth, conversation for opportunity. And fifth, the conversation for action. Nice. Um, it, it, you said it's in, it's in your book. Um, it, it's, it's, in your in, it's in the book, The, the Road to Happiness, but it's, it will be the central uh, theme and central uh, uh, thesis of the upcoming book by David Goldman, Mark LeBlanc, and Henry DeVries, Bringing in the Business. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I think those, those conversations, those five conversations are, um, I think, solid gold. Um, David, you talked about that moment um, about the, I'm not interested, tell me what you're interested in. Do you have another defining or magic moment um, that, is, that has created a, a, a shift uh, in your thinking? Many, but I'll, I'll give you one of my favorites. Uh, if you've ever, ever seen the movie, The Bridge of Spies, where Tom Hanks plays a lawyer and he is defending the uh, life of a Russian spy that was caught in the uh, early 60s. And um, uh, if you haven't Googled it, it's, it's a great movie. But uh, Tom Hanks is, is uh, and the Russian spy is absolutely guilty, found guilty. Uh, and, and now they're about to go into the sentencing hearing. And, uh, and Tom Hanks looks at the guy and says, you know, we're about to go in and you're either gonna be sentenced to life imprisonment or death, aren't you worried? And the guy looks at Tom Hanks and says, would it help? And I turned to my date that I was with that night and I whispered in her ear, my life just changed. And she said, how so? And I said, I'm no longer worried. That moment, and then, and then they repeat it. There's a, there's a scene where there's an actual exchange of spies uh, over this bridge uh, somewhere in Germany, I think. And, and so um, uh, Tom Hanks looks at the guy and says, when you cross the bridge, how will I know that you're accepted uh, by the Russians again? And he said, if they hug me when I get over the bridge, then I'll be okay. If they do not hug me, I'm probably toast. And Tom Hanks says, aren't you worried? And the guy looks and smiles and says, would it help? And, and I just got a chill just even uh, repeating that story. Because it, in that moment, I realized all the worry in the world doesn't help. And I stopped worrying. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not concerned about a few things in my life, but I don't worry. 
so that's another example of one of those moments where your life changes in an instant and you know it. Neat. Um, David, if you could go back 30 years ago and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, I, I, I have, thanks for that. Thanks, it's a good question. I've got two pieces of advice for, my thir for myself 30 years ago. One is relax, uh, don't worry. It's, it's, it will work out. That doesn't mean don't work. It doesn't mean don't, you know, that doesn't mean just sit back and let it happen. No, no, there, there are things you need to do, but, but stop with the, the worry and the angst and the efforting. Uh, it, it does work out. And the second thing I would uh, say to my, uh, myself 30 years ago is uh, get a coach sooner and keep him. So I, I engaged Mark about 25 years ago uh, as my coach and then stopped using him for about, I don't know, 10 or 15. And now we've been coaching again for, I don't know how many years, but for, for a long time, which feels like, you know, 80. But uh, <laughs> seriously though, it's, it's, it's important because we all have blind spots. So it, even, even as good as, as you are, not just as good as you think you are, but even as good as you actually are, we still have blind spots that someone else can easily uh, uh, see, point out, and help you through. And so I think that's it's really important. Thank you, David. Um, from a marketing perspective, is there a marketing strategy that uh, over the course of time, it could be, have been earlier in your career or mid or uh, recently, is there a strategy that you tried that ended up working better than you thought it would? Well, the, the first one, that, thanks for that too, Mark. The first one that comes to mind is, uh, is what uh, is called a showcase strategy where you, where you uh, give what looks like our free speeches. But if you're in the right, if you've got the right audience, if you've got the right market and you're, you're talking to your perfect fit audience, and you, um, uh, I, I, and I'm any, if I'm any good at it, uh, I'll get paid. I won't get paid for that speech, but someone will come up and hire me. So that has worked. Uh, speaking was one of my strategies. Uh, but what Mark introduced me to was speaking to uh, former clients uh, who are not currently under agreement, but, but had worked for me in the past. So I have a robust number of people that are under current agreement, but I've coached well over 800 people over the last 30 years. Most of them are not under current agreement, but to get back to some of them that I like and keep in touch with them and invite them to a small gathering, that's another form of showcase that Mark uh, convinced me to do and I and I did it and it worked and I, and I was astounded uh, so that's that's been great uh, that sort of shifted a little bit during the pandemic because now we're doing that on zoom and I'm happy to do that on zoom uh, but the other thing that that uh, that I started when pandemic hit was something called the storm starter strategy which is planting a seed at least one seed, uh, and then maybe even three seeds every single day where I'm in touch with somebody, either by phone, by email, um, or even by text, but, but planting one seed every single day 
you know, reintroducing myself to them, asking how they're doing, suggesting we have coffee just to catch up. Uh, it's been remarkable. Thank you, David. And for those of you that are listening, you can always do more, but always do one. David, thank you so much. I know that uh, you are uh, offering the listeners in our studio audience, as well as those that may be listening to this down the road uh, online, a complimentary uh, coaching conversation. Yes. Um, thank you for that gift in the chat box. Uh, we have your email address, but could you just articulate uh, your email address? Yes, it's, it's David at goldmanorganization.com. David, D-A-V-I-D, at goldman, G-O-L-D-M-A-N, organization, with a Z, dot com. Thank you, David. Um, what a pleasure to hang out with you here this afternoon and, and to be with you. Um, uh, I feel incredibly honored that you and I are going to be co-authoring, along with Henry, a book, uh, the book titled uh, Bringing in uh, the Business. So thank you for that opportunity. Um, my beating heart. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode, episode of Marketing uh, with a Book. Um, we are at your service. Uh, please feel free to reach out for more information at www.indiebooksintl.com. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap.